0: Hello and welcome to Open School of Business. Today I have a pleasure to introduce you to Phil Pelucha. Uh, He is an experienced TV host and a host of podcasts. Uh, He's been in this for a while now and uh, today he's going to tell us all about his success and his journey towards um, uh, this amazing community of entrepreneurs called Billionaires and Boxers. Uh, welcome, Phil.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: So uh, can you tell us about the current state of your businesses? Um, because uh, it's a little bit uh, overwhelming even to read in your summary uh, all the different things that you've been involved with.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's pretty overwhelming to be involved with them, actually. <laughs> um, Billionaires in Boxes It started off as a, as a joke, actually. Um, we needed a name. So we'd been branded as a radio show. I'd had a podcast previously that had done pretty well. So it'd been picked up by a radio, but the radio kind of already had a name. We were just filling airtime on their show kind of thing. So when it got picked up by a TV network, we needed a name for the show. And I jokingly said billionaires in boxes because we're building our global empires from home. And I rarely put on pants. Um, and people were like, okay, that actually works. We quite like that. And it, 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 They ran with it and it became something that that everyone kind of resonated with. I think everybody has a slightly different understanding of the meaning, (laughs) which which is quite nice as well because I'm learning stuff about my brand, if that makes sense, from other people because they're saying to me, oh, well, this is what it meant to me and this is what I've taken from it.
0: Right. It's definitely very fun and, um, you know, makes it a little bit, um, makes you at ease because you're not taking yourself seriously
1: we do not take ourselves seriously in fact if you'd listen to our production team the one thing they'd probably complain about the most is that we don't take ourselves seriously um our show at the moment airs three times on daytime tv so there's no swearing at all which is really difficult for me given that i'd say every other word is an expletive um especially (laughs) when i'm excited because it just comes out and i can't control it so there's been a few times now i've been watching the show back and there's been the odd bleep or they've had to cut a bit and i've I've kind of been (laughs) smiling to myself because I know why. Um,
0: Well, next thing you have an editing team, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, they are awesome. I mean, look, we didn't always start off that way. Believe you me. I, I remember the long nights trying to stitch things together and, you know, trying to edit out terrible background noise from where somebody's mic's been rubbing against their zip or their beard or someone's been breathing like Darth Vader the whole way through the podcast. And, You know, I I remember those days trying to clean clean up that audio and get it ready. So I I have huge respect for my team, especially given that they have to work with me. Bless them.
0: So um, in your community, how many people do you have now in your uh, billionaires and boxers?
1: Good question. So the reach at the moment for billionaires in boxers is just over 14 million. However, with people who are working with us directly, we're probably just over a 100,000 to sort of 150,000 that are sort of actively working with us. Okay. Um and that and comes to you know
0: kind of the stats um male versus female because boxers is a very male branding.
1: It's interesting you should say that. So actually we've we, I I had the same concern. It's actually funny you should say that because I asked this question about six to eight weeks ago of my team. Um, and it was actually really close. I think the female demographic was about 45, 46%. So it's actually really, really close. And I think the reason for that is we have a lot of guests on. So I'll give you an example. Earlier today, show that hasn't been released yet, um, I interviewed Marie Diamond from The Secret. Um, she's also a Feng Shui expert. So I've been redoing my room. And because <laughs> everything she taught me, I realized I was, oh, yeah, I need to do that. Uh, oh yeah, I haven't done that either. Uh, <laughs> so, so it was great. Uh, I don't know if you've ever watched the movie, The Secret, read the book, The Secret. She's one of the, the main stars yeah. from that. Um, that's one of the things that we do in terms of billionaires in boxes. And that's why this became so exciting and why we're reaching so many people. So it's not that I suddenly have some expertise in something and I'm teaching the whole world. Nonsense. That's not it at all. It's more I know what I don't know and I want to go and learn about things and I want to, I'm I'm somebody who is hungry for knowledge and I love sharing it as well. So what ended up happening was I would want to speak to these, you know, top professional development coaches. Like one of my mentors is the world's great is the world's top uppermost passive income coach, um, producer, director of of self-help movies. I mean, it's ridiculous. The people that are are lending themselves to this and are, are trying to help us. Um, and it's essentially, I get to ask them the questions that I, I want to know the answers to and the audience want to know the answers to. We get real facts, evidence and actionable advice that we get to implement into our businesses and into our lives. So it, it's almost as I learn, the audience is learning and we're all on this journey together. I'm not here preaching. I know anything more than anybody else. It, it's quite the opposite. It's, as you said earlier, it's, 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 I'd like to think it's pretty humble. I, I'll just openly say, I don't understand this. Please tell me. That's pretty <laughs> that much what happened really this morning.
0: cool because I think I can really resonate with you uh, on that because that's one of the reasons why I started uh, Open School of Business because um, there are a lot of people in my network I've already met that have incredible experiences and knowledge. And um, I use this opportunity to ask them things I'm fascinated about yep. and definitely sharing it with my community.
1: I love that. Yeah, uh, and totally do you know what? That, that's, that's pretty much the, the basis behind Billionaires in boxes. So I own some service-based businesses in terms of business to business. So I own a recruitment firm, I own a marketing and advertising agency, and I own a broadcast business that actually helps companies to create podcasts. Some of them are for large companies for sort of things like employee engagement and current affairs. Others are for recruitment, retention, marketing, sales. There's all kinds of reasons you can use a podcast um but it's kind of helping people to to broadcast that message but it's all fueled by everything we do through through billionaires in boxes which is we publicize quite clearly what we're doing and say here you go here's the show here's behind the scenes here's what happened today and we try and be as honest as we can we use our business as an example so when we're interviewing guests i say okay here's my situation here's what we're spending on this here's what we're doing with this what would you do with it and it's real actionable advice. And that that's what I love about it. And and because of that, we get a lot of great guests coming to us because they just want to add value. Um, we're working with a lot of networks across Africa because I've worked across Africa for a long time. My wife is African. My business partner is South African. So uh, Africa is the next emerging market. So it's really exciting to be broadcasting some of the most innovative and creative businesses across Africa. And we, we call it, introducing the best of Africa to the world and introducing the best of the world to Africa. And that's what we're really passionate about.
0: Uh, And what a great way to do it through podcasting because you don't even realize who is where and uh, where you're based. So you have a sort of a playing field in that situation uh, and you don't have to really emphasize where everything is happening. No, The incredible thing about um, all these businesses that you mentioned uh, I'm wondering which one of all of them is your cash cow, which you rely on for income mostly.
1: Recruitment. Recruit- so recruitment has been the, uh, would you call it the cash cow? I don't know. Cause it's, it's very roller coaster as an industry anyway. You know, you, you have huge months and periods and then you have periods of quiet and downtime. Some of it's seasonal, some of it's otherwise. Um, but it, yeah look, in terms of consistently earning i'd say it'd be the recruitment business but it's also because it's the one i i set up the longest to go it's the most established it's the one with the existing teams it's you know we've just been able to plug in some really exciting things into this so uh, a good friend of mine owns a, an outsourced uh, sales center in cape town and they were just finishing a big project and their guys are really creative marketing and sales people but they really like to get their teeth into a project that they enjoy. And they kind of approached us and said, do you want to do some sort of a deal? We'd love to go out and tell more people about what you're doing um, through Billionaires in boxes." And and we did a partnership that way. And, And things like that are really exciting. So all the time, even though the recruitment has been the oldest business, that's something that is literally taking place right now. I got a text message this morning to say all the phone lines are live. Test calls were done yesterday, hitting the phones from this morning. We'll speak to you at close of play. Um, that's happening right now today. So I know, and that's a new thing for the recruitment business entirely. So it's yeah, it's exciting awesome. times.
0: Can you explain how exactly the call center work with the recruitment agencies?
1: Of course I can. Yeah. So there are because of our talent team, there are certain roles that we I genuinely believe we're the best at in terms of recruiting. So the the joy of doing what we did, I'll explain it like this, is how many recruitment firms are there? I mean, there's, there's millions of them, there's millions yeah. and millions of recruiters, right? And we all pretty much do the same thing. So it was like, well, you can just sound like everybody else and say, you know, well, we have access to markets that other people don't have. And, and no, you don't. We all have access to the same people. We all have access to the same tools. Um, even the brand new ones only stay new for a, for a short while. And then it suddenly is, it's out of the bag and everybody knows about it. So I decided that the way to stand out wasn't to just bluff my way through. It was to add more value than anybody else. So what I, did I have at my disposal? Well, I had a, the broadcast network at my disposal and I had the fact that I knew some really awesome professional development coaches, some of the world's leading you know, professional and personal development coaches. And I thought, well, how do I bring all of this together? And the answer was, I choose the businesses really closely that we want to work with. You know, the the most exciting, the most innovative people are doing some really, really cool stuff. And then we bring them on the show and we publicize what they're doing because it's really cool. So people should be hearing about it. We're also working with it. We then get to offer a 12 month guarantee, which nobody else in the industry can do. I think it's about three to six months average. Um, we offer 12 because it's subsidized by the TV show. And between you and I, I've had to do two of them in 10 years. So it's, you know, we, we, we hit the mark, you know, 99.9% of the time. So I'm prepared right. to take, I'm prepared to take the 12 risk.
0: Me, 12 months, meaning uh, the resource that you found for the firm is going to stay with the firm that hired you. Well, not
1: just stay, but be successful with them as well. Um, so, you know, there are often probation periods where you have to exactly. hit, hit a certain resource or something. So, um, look, I mean, we, we hit the mark cause it's not just a case of crawling, job boards and things. In fact, I haven't seen a job board for three or four years now. We got rid of them. Um, they just didn't work for us. Look, it's about, it's about networking. Everything is about networking. And when people trust you, they open their phone books for you because they, they trust that you're going to take care of their friend or their contact. So with the trust that we've built up, you know, in the industries that we work in, think about data science, for example, you know, I probably know the top 10, 10 data scientists in every country, every, every major country where, where data science and and data centers are a big deal. Uh, and I could call any one of them as could my team and say, Hey, listen, we're doing this. Who would you recommend we speak to? And there'd be three or four perfect people straight away. Um, it's about being respectful to your network and treating them with respect and only approaching them with something that's relevant just as you would with them and bringing opportunities to them. And, that, and that's how business works. It's, it's opportunities flow in one direction and they come in another. Sometimes you have no idea, no idea how it's going to work out with this person. In fact, it feels a bit one-sided. You just feel like you're constantly giving them stuff. And then suddenly they can open a door that you didn't even know existed. And okay. it's, it's, it's beautiful when it happens.
0: So uh, the, the call center in this case, um, yeah. So the so so the, so the so so the so the
1: call center. Are, so we have a list of roles that we work with, pretty much in our in our major countries where we have particular strength to deliver, and we have good networks, uh, and we have people who work for the business that monitor whenever these jobs become live, either on uh, direct career portals or on job boards or local adverts, uh, and our team contact them to say you are one of the businesses we would be interested in working with. You've got this kind of role, which we have expertise in. We can plug you into the network. We can introduce you to these people. We could kind of really help stick a rocket up what you're doing and shine a spotlight on it. Are you interested? Um, not every business is, some businesses categorically say we need another six months. We're still fixing some stuff. We're not ready for the spotlight yet. Others say, yes, please let's have it. Let's do it yesterday.
0: Yes, and it's great because these days, everyone is expecting a personalized approach, an email or a phone call, and better yet from a person who you know. So, Yeah, 100%. um, Like, what's the rate of of the pickup? I I think you would know exactly what I'm talking about in terms of uh, recruiters, just uh, cold calling companies, it's very difficult.
1: Well, the funny thing was I worked in internal recruitment for a long time. So I'd been a recruitment manager, then head of, then director. Uh, and then I was a, a continent director for the period as well. And I'm sick of recruitment agency calls. In fact, to be honest, mm-hmm. I always say that was why I first set up my first recruitment agency because I genuinely couldn't find one agency in my sector that could do what I did. I, I was looking for a partner who, if I had exhausted my skill set and I couldn't find somebody... I needed somebody to be able to take it a step further. I couldn't find anybody. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I get like 10, 15 calls a week trying to sell me stuff and not one of them can actually do the job. Um, And it was just, I was so infuriated with it one day that I said, I should just set up an agency doing this. And I was sat with a friend of mine who worked for a rival company. And he went, I'd use you in a heartbeat because our recruiters are useless. And I suddenly went, oh, there's actually something in this. (laughs) so that's how our contact center really works is they're they're great salespeople. They're great marketers. They have a really targeted list of people and we we say, look, it's a outsourced sales center, but they're not really selling for us. They're more introducing. They're just saying to a business, if you're planning on doing this, this is what we could do for you. If you're ready for it, if you're interested, let's have a conversation. If not, best of luck.
0: Yeah. And I think it is just great to a way to scale your own abilities and you can teach them certain techniques that you want them to use mm-hmm. and and then be just following that. So it's, it's really cool.
1: I mean, um, my attitude was always, if I'm going <laughs> to, this is going to sound nuts, right? I promise you it will. Um, I never understood why I couldn't grow global. I also never understood why certain businesses I worked for at board level would panic when I said the word global. Um, you know, people were like, oh, well, hang fire. I mean, let's just get this region right first and then we'll think about going global. I never understood that. I think if you're going to grow a business, you know, you might as well grow it with global, global aspirations from the very beginning rather than try and grow where you are locally, pretending like you're some sort of tree. You know, you're, you're, your roots are here, you can't move. <laughs> you know, you're you're in some sort amazing. of... That's
0: amazing. I always of, say that about this like an inspirational quote about blo- blooming where you're planted. Yeah. I'm always say like, you can't, you, you, you're a person, you can move. <laughs>
1: yeah. A hundred percent. Some of my best experiences have come from traveling around the world and working around the world. And, and I've had the fortune to speak at some incredible events around the world. Um, and I know some places I like, and I know some places I don't like, and I feel all the richer for it. Um, but I, I never understood that. I, I just never got it. I never understood the mentality of let's start here and kind of build something here and then figure out how I'm going to take this little thing from this town or this city where I am and somehow give it to the rest of the world. I mean, that's, that's why most businesses never go global. Is, right. There's
0: they the small business owner level.
1: You, you can't build yeah. a skyscraper on the foundations that were originally laid for a bungalow. It doesn't exist. So you have to lay the foundations of the building with the size of the building in mind, right? Yeah. So you can't start small and then figure out how to grow big because you're going to have a top-heavy building that falls over at some point.
0: Exactly. So according to, um, since we are on a podcast and uh, you had such a successful experience with your podcast, uh, can you share some lessons learned and especially those fundamentals that you were talking about? How do you lay foundation for a really successful podcast that will grow into millions of listeners? Let's say,
1: I think, I think now it's, it's easier than ever um, because there's so many resources out there. So I, I saw that you interviewed uh, James Mulvaney. James is a great guy. I know James. Um, yeah. You know, I really
0: enjoyed our conversation
1: he's a good guy so plug for for podcast.co and matchmaker.fm uh, which is obviously where where we met um but you know tools like that just make it so much easier than it ever was before i mean I, I was having to sort of mass email and multi sort of message people on linkedin to try and figure out and people would be like what's a podcast don't want to do that why, why what who are you
0: <laughs> and it was
1: it was all treated with suspicious like why do you want to be on a show what have i done It's that you're going to ambush me. I'm like, I'm not some sort of investigative journalist, pal. I'm just trying to ask you about your business. Um, I just want to know what's going on inside your head. I don't want to know what your accountant's doing. (laughs) Um, is a lot of the things that you see on TV, sometimes they're just too rah, rah, rah. You know, they're too feel good, feel good. And it's like, they tell you about them that time that they found themselves sleeping in the car. And then the next minute they're telling you about now they're how a multimillionaire and I'm like, well, tell me about that bit. Like I, I, (laughs) yeah don't just brush over it like that's the interesting part you know um and and some of them do and as you say some of them don't whereas for me when i decided to podcast and broadcast i don't really have a filter so honestly and just comes out if i feel comfortable with the host or comfortable with the guest i'll just talk honestly and i tend not to remember that there's thousands or millions of people listening
0: (laughs) yeah well, I think it's a it's a good uh, time for me to ask you that like what's your biggest thing you usually share especially yeah. in the podcasting uh, side is was there anything that you realized oh I need to change and then you tweaked
1: Yeah, I think um I think there was a moment where it, I think there was a moment where I realized that I needed to be better at reciprocal marketing, I think is the honest answer, because I was getting people on podcasts that I thought were really interesting and I was sharing out amongst my network, but because my network was still quite small, I mean, in terms of the podcast audience, um, it was only getting kind of sort of a couple of hundred listeners. I mean, some episodes in the early days would get like 56 listeners in the first three days. And it was like, Whoa, okay. And I think at least five <laughs> yeah, of them really? were I think five of those were me checking that it was still playing. Okay. Um, You know, but I realized that actually the people that wanted to listen to, okay, I'll word it like this. The people who wanted to listen to the person I was interviewing already followed that person in some way or another, didn't they? Because they're interested in that person. So let's just say, We went and got Gary Vaynerchuk on our our audience and we did a joint podcast with Gary Vaynerchuk right now. Well, who's the best person to market that? Gary Vaynerchuk, because he already has a massive audience of people who love listening to Gary Vaynerchuk.
0: Exactly.
1: So, So what happens is they bring their audience with them. You mix it with your audience and that's how your audience grows because some of them will stick around and binge your content and enjoy what you do. Some of them will just come for the person they like boost the numbers for that episode and go away again. And that's fine as well. Um, some of those people even become subscribers, you know, two, three times down the line where it's like, Oh, this person's interviewed like three or four of people I like now. So maybe I should start paying more attention to them. Um, I don't know what the thought process is, but it seems to work that way. Um, but You know, it was reciprocal marketing because I wasn't doing that at first. I wasn't saying to people, you know, okay, where do I send this? Should we send this to your marketing team? You know, do you want us to do a joint campaign? I'm going to tag you. Here's my handles. Can you make sure you tag me? Who should I liaise with to get this sorted? And they'd go, oh, uh, right, you need to speak to uh, Bob in marketing and I'll put you in touch with Anne in resources and then we'll just do that. And then everyone's together and away we go.
0: Yeah, right. Actually, it's one of the things that I, I started doing because um, a lot of the people who I have, some of them have marketing teams, but some of them are just uh, managing their accounts themselves. So I have that conversation early on with them where we're going to be doing cross uh, promotion. Yep. And a lot of times these are book authors or I have some program that they're selling. So I'm very open to putting a, st- a spotlight into their product so they get the users they want. 100%. However, I've been kind of interacting with um, users from Matchmaker. Yep. Uh, and there, there are some people who are just interested in booking as many podcasts as possible. Yep. But they are completely close to cross-marketing because they also have their own podcasts yeah and I don't understand that mindset because it seems like it's mm. uh it's not open for collaboration
1: no I don't understand that either if i'm honest i mean we we've always been an open book i mean we're, we I guess we're a little bit more selective now than we used to be just simply because of the the size of the audience, so I think they expect a certain sort Quality. of person now, yeah, yeah I think so we i mean we still give loads of exposure to as i said businesses that we feel, I mean, it sounds like an awful position to put ourselves in, but we, we're sort of looking at these businesses going, the world needs to know about this seriously. So we, you know, it doesn't matter about the money, sod the money, just come with us. We'll, we'll do something. We'll do a piece of content and we're going to show people what you're all about. Um, and what we try and do from the reciprocal marketing point, even with the show is make sure that the other part of the show is with a coach or an audience person that complements that business or complements the audience that would be interested in that business and we try and put something together that's almost a you know here's a really inspiring person talking about how you can get ahead in a particular industry and then here's a business that's doing it isn't it pretty cool
0: So uh, for the personal development coaches and business coaches yes uh, do you have sort of like a database where people can find them.
1: Good question. Not yet. I mean, this has all been so new. I mean, I'll tell you how it came about. It came about because of the interview and because of because of this show, because of this medium right here that we're recording this on. This was exactly how these relationships came to be. Um, I met the producer for uh, one of the movies that sequels. That sorry, the prequels, The Secret. Um, I loved his work. I've read his books. He's an awesome guy called Doug Vermeeren. Um, and I got Doug on the show. He produced a film that's just out at the moment called how thoughts become things. I uh, highly recommend people go and check it out. It's uh, best way I could describe it. I mean, I don't know whether they describe it like this, but it's like, if you enjoyed the secret, you'll love this because the secret was almost an introduction to here's how it works and here's how affirmations work. This is a right here's the practical steps and here's the nitty gritty behind how to make this thing work. And it's awesome. I really love it. Um, But I definitely go check that out. But I I met Doug and then Doug introduced me to all of these other coaches. So it's been incredible. The last few weeks have been crazy because my emails will ping and it will be this really huge name of some multimillionaire, successful entrepreneur or some successful business coach whose book I probably have on my shelf. That's well worn out. Um, you know, people that I would have paid four or $5,000 to go to an event to go and see are now emailing me to say, Hey, I'd love to come on the show. We have a great chat on the show, really resonate with them. We stop recording and the question comes out because obviously I love this question. Who else do you know that could help me with what we're doing? they tend to ask me the same question goes back and forth and before you know it it's well i'll introduce you to him i'll introduce you to her we'll introduce each other to them and we should do this together um and off the back of that became a few people saying well doug being one of them um dr travis fox being another saying we'd love to come over and do more events in africa and obviously we've got a large connection there we've got a lot of work there we have have a lot of connections and a, a big database there in terms of people that we work with so all makes right. perfect sense yeah. so they've asked us to help them put those events on and then with that comes books and films and all this kind of stuff and helping them distribute that locally um it, just just this morning marie diamond um I, I was talking to her about the events and she said i'd love to come can i get involved as well so marie's now on board too i mean all these things are sort of happening in real time and it's it's incredible because once you're kind of in that place you, you're good to go but the this all came from podcasting. I can't stress that enough. This came from me at one point. It came from me sitting on my kitchen table with a, a second hand what's it called? The, the blue ice microphones, little circle things. You know what I mean? Um, look like something from star Wars. Um, I probably spent $15 on the thing. Uh, it, it had to be, I had to hold the wire in a certain position. Otherwise it crackled. <laughs> <laughs> uh, And I was doing this from my kitchen table because my kids were asleep upstairs and any of the rooms I'd do it upstairs would wake them. Um, that was how I started podcasting. And then you'd spend two, three hours editing it and getting it out. And then 56 people would listen to it. Um, and then there was times that you'd go, why am I bothering? And my answer to that was always, I
0: think like you've been in this long enough to, for, all the other podcasters to understand if you put in the seed and you're watering it, giving the nutrition it needs, it will grow
1: hundred percent hundred percent do you know what my answer always was though with uh, with why are we still doing this? yeah it was well, I'm enjoying the conversation even
0: exactly.
1: <laughs> like, so even if no one's listening, I don't really care i mean I, I'm enjoying the people I'm talking to um I have to be honest as well, it was a fantastic business development tool um you know if I wanted to work with a certain company, for example, so this is before the TV shows before 12 month guarantee. This is before the fact that I could give them this, this exposure on a network globally, any of that stuff, this was just me and a small team of people who were good at recruitment. And so were a hundred thousand other people, you know?
0: Yeah. And so podcasting help you, grow your recruitment
1: business oh hugely so because you know if you call a ceo of a company that you really want to work with so let's say you really want to work with a a fintech company they've just won an award they look really excited and that's the people you want to go and work with well if i call if i try and add their ceo on linkedin he's going to see recruiter and not connect if i call them i'm probably not going to get past the gatekeeper and even if i did he's never going to call me back because nobody wants to talk about recruitment. I don't even want to talk about recruitment. It's Boring. It's not sexy. It's Not nice. It's, it's something you have to do as part of your process. In fact, that's not even true. Recruitment isn't even something you have to do as part of your process. If you design the culture of your company properly, it feeds itself because people refer people and you never need to have the whole inverted commas recruitment process at all because people just, there's almost a list of people wanting to work for you. I mean, and how many businesses can we name that already have that? Um, But yeah, I mean, in terms of, I wanted a way of speaking to CEOs of businesses that didn't involve recruitment because they didn't want to talk to me about recruitment. Whereas if you call up and say, hi, I'm looking to speak to John about joining me on a podcast. I'm interviewing a lot of local executives in the fintech industry. I noticed you won an award. It'd be great to talk about it. That call gets put through every day of the week, right? And that CEO on the phone is actually quite flattered that you're having this conversation. So they agree, they come on, you have a great conversation. It's not a sales pitch. I am not, I'm not pitching anything. Uh, It tends to come up what you do. You have the conversation. I never used to force anything, but the amount of times that at the end of a conversation having resonated with somebody and had a great conversation that they go, by the way, Phil, you're in recruitment. We're um, we're looking for this, this, and this. You couldn't help us, could you? And I'd go, that one and that one I can. That one I can't, but I know someone that can, so let me make an introduction for you. But those two, definitely.
0: Excellent. And I think yeah, <clears throat> it's just great because you meet a lot of people with similar mindsets. Okay. And uh, usually I was... Mostly, you know, targeting book authors, because I'm very interested in books and writing a book in the future. Uh, Also, a lot of people from my own field of project management and consulting, but also now I'm really interested in entrepreneurs. And the funny thing about the coaching business is I had this idea several years ago that um, I like coaching the concept. Uh, There are... There have been some coaches that have been interesting and helpful to me. There have been also a ton that have been useless and I see even more uh, coming up that are advertising Mm -hmm. on Facebook, Instagram, everywhere. And I had this idea, why can't we have a platform where uh, people can rate and review uh, coaches and it's like a marketplace. And I think, you know, like a trip advisor for coaches thing for us to work on, maybe because you're, I think it's a great idea. A great database of coaches that actually are great.
1: Well, it's so it's funny you should say that. that would be really
0: great for it.
1: It, it is something that we talk about a lot on our show as well. We talk about the reason that we invite the people that we do is because we believe them not to be a fake shake. You know, I call them the fake shakes. It's <laughs> the, it's the, it's, it's the, it's the, you know, I think Bob Proctor said it best. He said, "If somebody is, if somebody was so happy and their life was so great, why would they be taking pictures to show you about it?"
0: That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, and it was and like, I yeah, it's pretty now true. Getting to realize that very much.
1: Yeah, I think so too, because I mean, how many people have not I mean, I've done it. I've wasted ten, twenty thousand dollars on coaches that have been utterly useless. Um, and you know what? I really wish I knew then what I knew now, and I'll share this piece of advice with, with your audience. I, I said it a little bit earlier, but I want to highlight it. When when you're speaking with people who you resonate with, okay, so you're on the same frequency, you just get each other, w- whatever terminology you want to use, right? There are certain people that give you a good feeling and there are certain people that give you a, a negative feeling, okay? it's not doesn't mean that that person's negative. It just means that there's something yes, that you to deal with. Out. Yeah. There's just something going on there that's saying, actually you're, it's not right for you to be working with that person. It's not right for you to be in a relationship with that person. It doesn't feel right. So, tr- you know, I always say, trust, make more decisions with your heart and less with your head, because your head doesn't know any more than you do.
0: I love it. I love it. I think I'm going to use that quote for the uh, uh, blogging part of the Interview because I think it's incredible and well, it, uh, it's it, something unique. It,
1: it really works, and I promise you, I mean, your head will play tricks on you. But the thing is, when you realize that your head is just full of programming that was oh, most of it put there by other people anyway, I mean, our parents never meant to do us any harm. But I mean, how many times were we told as a kid, you know, you can't have everything, money doesn't grow on trees? It's like, well, it literally does, it's paper. Um, so it really does, and you can have as much of it as you want and and the only thing stopping you is is your perception of big i mean what makes one man 's big deal a hundred thousand dollars and another man 's a hundred million it 's perception it 's nothing more than that, but the guy who thinks that a hundred thousand dollars is a big deal will never make a hundred million
0: and um it 's very true however would would be the one thing that you would start changing to get from hundred thousand, you know, slowly to a million, 10 million, hundred million.
1: I, I think don't set those targets. I think is the first one. I think it's, you've got to dream as big as humanly possible. So I'm a big fan of meditation. I would always meditate on a decision like this. Um, There are, if you, you don't know anything about meditation, there are guided meditations and spoken guided meditations on YouTube that you can do for free. Many of them are amazing. There's a guy called Jason Stevenson, who's an Australian guy, particularly very good. Um, but I would definitely start by dreaming as big as humanly possible plan. The biggest thing that you can imagine, um, you know that's why we say we're going to empower a billion people that's big but we were never going to do that on our own we had to do that by you know partnering with people and bringing people on board who who were inspirational and could share meaningful advice that had a large audience already i mean look at the movie the secret it reached 500 million people that's halfway towards our target so we need two movies like the secret awesome that's my target let's get it done
0: well, nice, you have something to <laughs> sizable, something measurable it 's awesome, uh, and for meditation i i, I um, am spiritually uh, gravitated towards that past rather than any um, organized religion i would say yes yeah. Um, yeah, so, because... so
1: well i I had a real conflict with this it 's funny I was speaking to Maria about this earlier because. Um, Maria and I were both raised Catholic, obviously not together. Um, but we were both raised <laughs> in very Catholic households and, um, I was introduced at about the age of about 11 or 12, um, to transcendental meditation. And it blew my mind because what I was seeing and experiencing whilst meditating, I was being told by my religion didn't exist. Um, it just sort of refused to acknowledge the existence of the stuff that I was experiencing. So when you felt something and you've seen it and it's real, you can't have a sensible conversation with somebody that's telling you it doesn't exist because you know, categorically that it does. <laughs> so it's, it's hard to have that conversation. So it was hard to, it was hard to pretend I was, I was all okay. Uh, you know, I, I tried for a little bit, but I ended up almost just becoming a part-time Christian to be honest. Cause I was kind of like, well, I like this bit, but I can't pay attention to that bit. Um, and it just, it just didn't work. So I, I just kind of embraced who and what I, what, what I am. Um, I'm now married to a South African Muslim. So we've got two mixed religions in this house, although neither of us are particularly religious. Um, but we are very spiritual, both of us. And I think we both kind of came to the same place, which is this doesn't fully answer our questions. There's, there's something else that we don't know yet. So I, one of the things I'm spending a lot of time looking at at the moment is, is the paradigm shift and how you not get rid of things because you can't get rid of things. It's like learning new habits. It's like learning new thought processes and it does take time and it does take effort because for so it's very easy to slip back into autopilot and do the negative stuff and you know, all the, well you can't do that because you know what makes you think you can go and do that? I mean, we've all had the imposter syndrome thing. I had it when I was doing my TV show, I was interviewing these incredible people thinking, why are they talking to me? (laughs) Like, this is madness. Um, and then I realized, actually, do you know what? They're enjoying talking to me, so there must be something about it. So I should just enjoy the conversation and stop thinking about it so much. Things are already well on the way. So, you know, a couple of things I can share with you, as I said, is we're putting on some of those live events now across Africa for some of these incredible coaches. So that's Awesome. Um, we've actually started to help other people produce more of their content. So these were existing podcasts and existing uh, stars on channels on YouTube who are looking to kind of reach new audiences and get some more content out there. Um, they're joining us on our network through the BIB network across the different satellite TV stations, the online stations uh, globally. So we're now helping them to produce their content. So there's going to be a few sports shows, a couple of talk shows in there. There's some there's some really cool stuff out there.
0: Okay, well, that's very exciting. Um, I am looking forward to seeing those uh, and posting them on our account, so other people from this audience can follow you along. Yeah, I'd love to. uh, see all these new projects that you're implementing. Uh, Thank you for your time, Phil. Uh, It's been such a pleasure and a delight to talk to you today and get a glimpse into such an incredible work you're doing. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.